Welcome to the PBO Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Your host here, E. Vanderbilt, with his trusted canine sidekick, Woody, where we bring you the news raw, unfiltered, and with no chaser. And welcome to another episode of the PBO Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. E. Vanderbilt here with his trusted canine co-host, Woody. Woody, how you doing? Hey, buddy. Woody says, man, it is here. Finally, it is election day. We are about to have this over with, no matter what you think about the election. It's either going to be over late tonight, which I doubt, or tomorrow, which is highly unlikely, too, given what we're going through. But I think it's going to happen. I think we're going to see the results tomorrow. But I could be wrong. We all, nobody knows. If you think you know what's going to happen in this election right now, you, you, you're, you're kidding yourself. We only have trends. We only have ideas. I mean, we can sit here and do predictions like I did, where I believe Trump's going to win. I think he's going to get 320, 26, I think I said it was, electoral votes. But I don't, you know. We don't know how it's all going to play. We, we can sit there and analyze the trends until our nth degree, and it all could come out different. I mean, here's what we're doing. Here's what's going on right now. We are in the midst of our uh, uh, final leg of our presidential election. We are voting today. The final poll matters. And I'll get into some polling later today. We'll talk about some other things, some predictors. But here we are. And nationally, the national polls have Biden leading. Uh, a lot of other polls have Biden leading. And again, I know, I know, don't buy the polls. I, t- I tell you often, the national polls worthless, that it's follow the trends, and the trends have always looked favorable for Trump. But why are we in this position? How is it that we're in this position where a man who clearly has cognitive decline, clearly, I mean, you can look at video after video after video and see that this man has clearly declining in his mental health and he's either it's uh alzheimer's dementia i don't know but clearly he he, all his faculties aren't there the man is 78 years old he should have just rode off into the sunset but no no some reason he felt the need or somebody else felt the need to put up there then his running mate kamala kamala whatever her name is harris who made her career by sleeping with willie brown by having an extramarital affair with another man well, it would be a man, I guess. And by having that extramarital affair, and she's full on, some of the things that she espouses are full on communism. I mean, forget socialism. She's fast-tracked to communism. And those two are leading in the polls. Really, really, really makes you concerned for our nation, if you think about it. If you are listening to this and you are a Biden supporter, I don't know what to say to you. I really don't. I mean, it's amazing that anybody could support this candidate. Not only has he spent 47 years in government and has accomplished very little. I mean, I guess he did accomplish the 1994 crime bill by putting more blacks in prison. But for 47 years, this man has been grifting off of government. And so we have all this stuff from his son's laptop that kind of points to he may be a little corrupt you know he could have been skimming off the top well, it's alleged but that's who's that's who's winning in the polls and then kamala kamala harris kamala la mama harris really the woman couldn't even win one primary you know she she achieved zero delegates when she ran for president herself and we all know well we all suspect pretty strongly that if biden were to win the election she's going to be the president because he'll bow out either for health reasons or whatnot. And here we are. Yeah, here we are where, you know, 
we have a president in Donald Trump who has achieved so much in his first term. We have Mideast peace deals. We had an economy that was on fire until the pandemic was unleashed on us. And I mean, if you want to be into conspiracy theories, could the Chinese have done it just for the reason that we're here now talking about this? Because that's the only reason that the Biden campaign is doing as well as they are because of the China virus. If it weren't for that, there would be no way Biden could even come close to Donald Trump right now because the economy would be so far ahead that he would have nothing to run on because all he has to run on is all he's had is the China virus. That's it. Nothing else. There is nothing else that he has ran on uh, to go against Donald Trump. It's, and, and you know what? That's what they should have run on. I mean, I give them credit where credit's due. If I were in the Democrats' positions, I'd be pounding away at the Chinese virus as well. You know, 230,000 dead. Of course, I've got some numbers I'm going to share with you later on this Chinese virus that's going to expose just how how much this has been misled and misinterpreted and misinformed people, how, how or misinformed, how, how the media has not done its job. But we all know that. We have a worthless media in this country as it is, the mainstream media. We have a, some wonderful alt medias out there. But here we are. Here we are on Election Day. And this man, Joe Biden, it's, it's even this far in the polls. It just boggles the mind. Now, I don't believe he's going to win. And uh, I hope I'm not wrong. And I hate to hope because it's wishy-washy, but I don't believe he's going to win. So let's get into it. Let's talk about some of those polling numbers. Let's get into some predictors that uh, show some clear path or some signs for Trump. Let's talk about the paths to victory. Uh, we've got, you know, Senate races up. We've got the House races up. Uh, we're not going to know anything. We'll talk about what, how it's going to be reported. What does it look like today? What does today look like? What does tomorrow look like? What are the possibilities here? And uh, you know what? In the second segment of the show, I think I'm going to dump all of this and maybe just talk about cars and guitars. So if you want to talk politics, this segment will be for it. But the next segment, I think I'm just going to dump all the politics stuff and just, just you know, Talk about some guitars and stuff like that. Just have a little light segment. So if you want to loosen up, listen to that segment. But let's get into this one right now. You know, the pundits and myself have been looking at real clear politics. You hear it all the time when you're watching the network news or the, the cable news networks. RCP seems to be the gold standard. Now, it's not a perfect model by any means. And I've, I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's an aggregate of polls. So if you've got a Florida poll, they'll use seven or eight polls and do the averages. Now, the problem with that is there are some... Um, uh, unethical pollsters out there that tip the poll to help um, Joe Biden. So if that happens, then they slip in that poll that's a plus 10 or a plus 11, and it skews the whole thing. So you got to really be careful of that and look at the trends. Now, the trends don't look good for Biden right now. He keeps slipping in the polls. And the reason the polls get this tight close to Election Day, because, you know, the pollsters want to at least look somewhat credible. I mean, they're not going to lose their job. They didn't lose their job last year or last cycle. I mean, in the last cycle of 2016, the polls were so way off, but no pollster lost their job. <laughs> they're still there. So they don't Why would they think they're going to lose their job this time? Why do they think everybody's going to say, no, we're not going to use you. We're not going to spend our money on you because they did anyway in 2016 and they were well. But anyway, the top battleground states, again, are Florida, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, 
Arizona. And the polls have tightened. Biden now leads in those six states aggregate by 2.3%. So we're in margin of error territory here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Florida, Biden is up by 0.9. That's it, 0.9%. And there are several polls in that 0.9. There are three that have Trump winning. Fox, 35 insider advantage. Insider advantage, by the way, has been very, very accurate. The Trafalgar Group has them up by 2%. By the way, that Fox 35 insider advantage has Trump up by 1%. Trafalgar Group up 2%. They've been very, very accurate. And the Susquehanna, I don't know if I'm saying it right, up 1%. And they've been pretty accurate. CNBC has uh, Biden up 3%. Rasmussen's up 1%. Rasmussen's tends to lean uh, Republican. Uh, Quinnipiac, which is way off most of the time is up 5%. There's your skew right there. The Quinnick Piet poll is the one that's skewing it to Biden. And the St. Pete polls have Biden up 1%. I don't think Biden can overcome. Now let's talk about registered voters and we'll do that as we go through each one of these. Florida, uh, last last cycle, by the way, in 2016, had um, 8.9 or I'm sorry, 9.4 million people in total voting. Early voting in Florida right now is 8.9 million. So you have half a million people off. And, and then if you look at registration, Florida's had some surges in registration. They've had 5.8% increase in Democrat registration and a 9.6% increase in Republican registration. So of those 8.9 early votes, you don't really know who they voted for. And there's been a surge in Republican registration in Miami-Dade County. That's a solid, solid, solid Republic or Democrat. That's voted. Hillary won that in the teens last time. So Florida does not look like a win for Biden. I'm sorry. It just does not. North Carolina, Trump is up 0.2% in North Carolina. Huge reversal with just a few weeks ago. And in North Carolina, you've got already um, 4.5 million early votes and Last cycle in 2016, 5.1 million people voted. So again, there we go. I mean, it's very, there's still, there's still people to vote, but so many have voted. And the Democrat registration is down by 6.17%. Republican registration increased in the state this cycle by 3.47. I, I don't know how Biden can win North Carolina. I don't know it. Uh, Pennsylvania, right? Trump has been campaigning in Pennsylvania. I mean, He's been there a lot. He had one rally, I think it was on Sunday, with, I think, was it 58,000 people that showed up? And right now, Biden is up. This is his hometown, his home state. He was born in Scranton, Pennsylvania, because he calls himself a Scranton boy. He's up 1.2%. Biden is in Pennsylvania. That gap has closed considerably. Of the six aggregate polls, Trump is up on three of them. Biden is up in three of them. The Susquehanna, Trafalgar Group, and the Insider Advantage, which are all very accurate. They've been, they were the most accurate pollsters in 2016, all have Trump up. I've been saying this a while, and I was watching the news channels last night, and I heard it on the cable news network too, as well that uh, experts say that if Trump wins Pennsylvania, he wins the race. It all, it all falls on Pennsylvania. That's the key state this year. Now, he could win without Pennsylvania. If he wins Michigan and he wins some of the, the other states he won, he can, he'd actually, the three main states uh, is Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. If he wins Pennsylvania, 
he wins the election. If, as long as he wins all the other ones, he won. Now, those three. Let's say he loses Wisconsin and Michigan, but if he wins Pennsylvania, he wins the election. Let's say if he loses Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, but he wins Michigan, he wins the election. Pennsylvania is the key state this year. And right now, Trump is doing well in Pennsylvania. Biden, his hometown, by the way. And now in Pennsylvania, um, they've had 2.4 million early votes. Last cycle, 6.5 million people voted. There's still a lot of outstanding votes in Pennsylvania. And Trump has been vigorously campaigning in Pennsylvania. Democrat registration is down 1.5% in Pennsylvania. And it's up 3.7% for Republicans. <laughs> I'm sorry. The Democrats have to be just crapping their pants on Pennsylvania. That's the state. They've had both um, Kamala Kamala, Kamala Harris there, and Biden's been there. But I think Pennsylvania is the key state, and I think it breaks for Trump. Michigan is up for Biden 4.2%, but Michigan, that's dropped. It was like 8% just not too long ago, and the Trafalgar groups got them up in Michigan. And then Wisconsin is up 6.7. I think, I think Trump loses Wisconsin, to be honest with you. Uh, if, he breaks, if it breaks for Wisconsin, because right now all of the polls have Biden up, even in, the, you know, there's, even the Trafalgar group has Biden up by 1%. Susquehanna has him up by 3%. And again, these are the, the accurate pollsters. I think, I, surprisingly, I think Trump loses Wisconsin. And then Arizona is the last of the battleground states they put up there. Biden's up by 0.9. They're Two of the pollsters, Rasmussen and Trafalgar, have Trump up. Uh, NBC News has him flat. And Arizona is another one that uh, we've got 2.5 million people have already voted. Last cycle, 3.2 million people. Democrat registration there is up 18.4%. And Republican registration is up 12.1%. I still think there's a squeeze win out of Arizona for President Trump. But uh, obviously this one's tighter. But Biden's up only 09 and that has closed considerably in the recent days as well. So that's where we're at with the uh, polling. Uh, national polling, who cares? I'm sick of talking about national polling. I think Biden's up like 6.7. He's dropped down, but the national polling doesn't matter. Right now, what has to happen is Trump needs to win the same um, states he won last time. Uh, let's, say, let's take out the three states that, that put him over the top. The three states that put him over the top last time are Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Uh, he needs to win all the other states that he won, plus either Pennsylvania or Michigan, and that'll give him the win. That, that that's that's his path to victory right there. Now Biden, he he's got some other paths to victory, but Biden needs to uh, he needs to win those three states. Actually, it's tougher for Biden. A lot of people don't realize that Biden needs to win Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. If Biden loses Pennsylvania, he loses the election. Of course, if Trump wins Pennsylvania, he wins the election. That's how it works. Uh, Biden needs to flip Trump states. Trump doesn't really need to flip any Democrat states. He doesn't need to flip any states that Hillary won last time to win the election. All he's got to do is hang on to the states he won last time, with the exception of the, let's take out again, those three battleground states of Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. He, he just needs to win either Pennsylvania or Michigan of those three states, and then all the other states, he should, he needs to win. Like North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Texas, uh, Arizona, I think Iowa, Ohio. Though, if and, and he's trending in all of those states, he's going to win Texas. He's going to win Georgia. It looks like very clearly he's going to win Florida, North Carolina, also Ohio. So uh, 
<clears throat> so Trump has a better path to victory than Biden, but here we are. One of the absolute worst candidates that I've ever seen. I, again, I thought Hillary was bad. Biden is like the worst candidate. And his vice, I thought Tim Kaine was a bad vice president pick. I think Kamala Harris is worse. I mean, that video she put out the other day was just full on communist, you know, saying that equity and, uh, and people aren't starting out in the same place and we need to help people start out in the same position. You know, you, it's just unbelievable, unbelievable that that campaign has gotten this far. Uh, and I think it was Kreshnev, um, former leader of Russia, who when it was communist Russia, who once said that America will be destroyed for within. We're, we see that with the Biden-Harris campaign. We see that with the Democrats right now. And again, in my opinion, if the Democrats win, ah, we're screwed. We're screwed as a nation. And uh, it breaks my heart. Hey, I want to get into a couple of other things real quick. Uh, Town Hall put out an article. The one metric that has decided every presidential winner since 1988. And it says, and Trump has a lock on it. This is a good predictor. So it make us feel a little better that uh, let me go through this. And it makes a lot of sense. Um, it says, again, and this is from the article. Again, David Chapman and Poll Watch are two good accounts that have been tracking the, poll the polling this cycle and cutting through the nonsense from the liberal media. And boy, is there a lot of it. Uh, there's been a lot of funny business with the polling folks. Firms conducting polls around the same time but getting different results. Uh, we have shy Trump voters. And by the way, if you heard about the shy Trump voters, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, is the shy Trump voters are the silent majority voters. So they're the same thing, but people calling them shy Trump voters because people don't want to be called out by their neighbors as racist or misogynistic. Or, so they, they won't say they're voting for Trump because they don't want to be called these names that the left calls people which is just abhorrent, but that's where we are as a nation. So the silent majority is there, but they're called shy Trump voters. So back to the article. We have youth vote interest, uh, interest tanking in this election cycle. The level's not seen since 2000. Uh, some polls have 1 million fewer young people voting this year, but somehow Biden is going to win by like 12 points. It's unreliable to the nth degree. This is from the article. So what Chapman did was compile a thread that cuts through a lot of the liberal media silliness out there. Uh, for starters, he Nixes the idea that bad economies kill incumbents. Yes, that was a case for Bush 41, but historically the incumbent party is 12 and 11 when facing re-election during an economic downturn, meaning, meaning um, 12 of the last times where a president was running and there was an economic downturn, uh, out of the 12, 11 have won. So they go to uh, this, this Twitter feed by um, David Chapman, and he goes through some of the statistics and his historical statistics. And one thing about the historical statistics is they tend to have a lot of merit. I mean, humans are, we're creatures of habit, whether we want to believe it or not. So you, you have to look at your history to see sometimes where the future is. Now, it's not a, a, a full safe method, but it gives you a lot of data to, to think about. For, so let me go through these. Um, uh, this is his election thread, and his prediction is based solely on history and historical trends, not polling. So he said the biz biggest issue in the campaign is COVID-19. There have been 11, listen to this, and I didn't know this until I read this article, by the way. There have been 11 incumbents to face a pandemic during re-election. The incumbent is 11 to 0 from 18, 20%, meaning that the 11 times an incumbent faced a pandemic, remember there was the 19, was it 1918 plague? 
11 times an incumbent has faced a pandemic and 11 times they've won re-election. Uh, many experts say bad economies end incumbents' careers. This is not true. The incumbent party is 12, 11 when facing re-election during a bad economy. There is a huge correlation to primary performance with this historical trend. This is, again, from David Chapman. So he put this out, these uh, series of th threads, tweets, I believe they are, they were, on elect October 11, 2020. So since the first primary in 1912, seven incumbents have faced a bad economy during re-election. Five of those incumbents had very poor primary performances and lost two of them, and two of them had strong primary performances and won. In fact, no incumbent who has received at least 75% of the primary vote has lost re-election. Donald Trump received 94% of the primary vote, which is the fourth highest all-time, higher than Eisenhower, Nixon, Clinton, and Obama. Remember, I talked about this before, there's a the primary model, and this model has been predicting presidential elections since, uh, I think, 1912, and only two presidential elections lost based on this model, and the primary model is uh, incumbents that have a high primary percentage, like they're saying here, Trump received 94% of the primary vote, go on to win re-election. Uh, in fact, they go on to talk about that. Trump is only one of five incumbents since 1912 to receive 90% or more of the primary vote. We've never seen primary participation levels for an incumbent like we did in the 2020 GOP primary. Trump set a record for most votes received by an incumbent with 18.1 million. And he didn't even have a challenger. And he received more votes. That's, a, you know, statistics. Ten, this trend tends to say Trump will be reelected. The previous record, by the way, was held by Bill Clinton with 9.7 million primary votes. So you know those 18 million will be out and voting. There's no doubt. Now, of course, we pre-early um, election right now is like 100,000 people have already voted, which is unprecedented, but this is because of the pandemic, right? Uh, we've also had riots uh, incumbents are six and six when facing re-election during civil unrest, but four and oh when facing a pandemic and civil unrest. See, all this data is out there. So three times in history, American America has faced a pandemic, recession, and civil unrest during an election year, and the incumbent party is three and oh in those elections. So what about the polls? The polls are predicting Trump's win. The ABC poll shows Trump with a 19-point enthusiasm advantage. Every candidate since 1988 that led in enthusiasm has won the election. Uh, Pew gives Trump a 20-point advantage in strength of support. The leader in this poll has won every election since 1964. All polls show voters expect Trump to win. The expectation question is more accurate. So the, in, the expectation and the enthusiasm polls have Trump leading way high. Funny how the media doesn't talk about this, right? Funny. Funny, and I mean, there's so many things here that historically lead to a Trump victory. Uh, since 2004, the candidate that led in Google searches has won the election. Trump leads Biden in Google searches by a ratio of three to one. Even in Google searches. There have been many elections where polls just failed to predict anything. 1948, 52, 76, 80, 96, 2000, 2012, 14, 16, and 18 all had major polling errors. In 2012, the current trend of low response rates began. Since 2012, polls have gotten worse. So you want to buy into the polls? Like I said, the polls uh, are a good their way to look at trends, but they do not tell the whole story. I've been saying that for a while. The 2018 polls were not better than 2016. They were worse. 
Polls are incapable of predicting anything, especially when can with cancel culture and pollsters' insistence on getting in the field during major news events. 2020 has been one long major news event. So the likelihood of a large response bias is high this year. Joe Biden also has history against him. This is interesting. But before I get into that, so you see that there's a lot of historical trends that bode well for Donald Trump. And I didn't know that during all these pandemics, uh, the incumbent always won. And the same thing goes for war. And I don't believe that's in any of his responses here. Usually if we're at war, the incumbent wins. Americans do not like to change horse in midstream. We've been very consistent about that as a society. Now, Joe Biden, again, has history against him. No one who served 15 years in the Senate has ever become president. Joe Biden served 36 years in the Senate. The 14-year rule. No one gets elected president who needs longer than 14 years to get from his or her first gubernatorial or Senate victory to either the presidency or the vice presidency. Biden needed 36 years to become VP. That's an interesting rule. Uh, the only thing that shows Biden winning the polls by every historical metric and trend, uh, Donald Trump will win this election. The only thing, let me read that again. So the only thing that shows Biden winning are polls. There you go. That's the part I missed. I'm sorry about that. Uh, by every historical metric and trend, Donald Trump wins the election. Now that's all anecdotal. We don't know. We don't know, but this is what I've been saying all along. These trends look so good for Biden. I mean, sorry, <laughs> there was a slip for Trump. The trends look very good for Trump. Uh, not only in the polls, if you read between the lines of the polls, they look good for Trump. If you look at this historical data, it looks good for Trump. Now, this is an unusual election. We say that. We say that. Why do we say it's an unusual election? We say it's an unusual election because we're in the midst of a pandemic. But we just learned this is not historically. This has happened often. There's been a lot of pandemics. This has happened before. So, you know, I, I say this a lot, too, is that no matter what happens in your life, my life, everybody's life, somebody has already experienced it. This is a common thing that I've said quite a bit. No matter what you're going through right now, no matter what you are going through, you as an individual going through right now, somebody has gone through it, somebody is about to go through it, and somebody is going through it, and somebody has solved it. No, we all like to think we're unique. We are unique, but humans' experiences are shared. Whatever you're going through, whatever I'm going through, I guarantee you somebody has gone through it. Somebody is about to go through it. Somebody is going through it, and somebody has solved it. So we like to look at this election as unique, but is it really? Yeah, maybe because Trump was a reality star before that, but in this case, I still say Trump has a clear shot to victory. Now, what that victory looks like, I don't know. I don't, I'm, I don't, I would love for this to just blow out, just be a complete blowout and we'd be done with it. But I just don't think that's going to happen. Hey, real quick before I get to that. Also, this story from uh, the Sun UK paper, uh, Don the Money, mystery Brit gambler bets $5 million on Donald Trump election victory in the largest political, political wager ever. So for somebody, uh, a mystery, a mystery British businessman has bet $5 million on a Donald Trump victory uh, at 37 to 20, believed to be the largest political punt ever made. So you think this guy has some uh, knowledge, some insight? You know, people don't put that kind of money up who don't think something positive is going to happen or they, they, that $5 million, hey, maybe this guy's got tons of money to burn, but $5 million, 
Uh, you know what? Tells me something. So let's talk about the election tonight and what's going to happen. The media has come out and they have said that they are not going to report like they used to report, but they're going to report like they used to report. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, it's silly. It's really silly. Here's what's going to happen. I mean, I, I get so tired of how the media dances around things because they hate this president so much that they just can't come out and say what they want to say. What they want to say is we're not going to report Trump's victory. We'll report Biden's victory, but we're not going to report Trump's victory, but they will. Don't worry. They will. If here's what has to happen to get results tonight, today, you know, polls closed um, here in the state of Georgia at 7 p.m. And polls will be closing across the nation. So it's going to be a long night. It always is a long night. Typically, we don't know who the winner is until, uh, in most cases, some cases, a Wednesday in the morning in the a.m. You know, sometimes it's 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m. So this could drag on farther. But here's what's going to happen. In order for the Trump victories to be called, he's going to have to blow out the states. So let's take Pennsylvania as an example of this. So let's say Pennsylvania has 10 million votes in total that are in or they're going to come in, but they're not all counted. Right. But let's say 8 million of those votes are counted. And we know who those 8 million voted for, either Trump or Biden. There's still 2 million outstanding, let's say 2 million in uh, absentee ballots, whatever, right? Uh, let's say of those 8 million, uh, Trump gets 6 million. And that means Biden gets 2 million. So that outstanding 2 million, if you add it in, it still only gives Biden 4 million and Trump wins because he's already got 6 million. Statistically, the numbers can't increase enough to where Trump wins. That's a blowout. So we'll know those blowout states. They'll, we'll know those, but Pennsylvania won't be a blowout state. We won't know Pennsylvania. Um, you know, chances are we're going to know Florida. We typically know Florida. We typically know Georgia. Uh, we typically know North Carolina. Those are three battleground states in the Eastern Time Zone. Michigan may be a little late. Wisconsin may be a little late. And then we start getting into central time zones. So, you know, we'll probably know Texas. We'll, we'll know all those other traditional Trump states like Mississippi. We'll know those traditional Democrat Biden states like Delaware. All of those will come in and we'll know them. So, but and by the end of the day, uh, there'll be a few outstanding states until we get to the West Coast and, uh, and their time zone. And by the time we get to the West Coast, we'll probably have more East Coast states in and it'll be just like it always was. It's not going to be that much different. I just don't expect it to be. I could be all wrong on this. And I probably am going to be all wrong on this because I think I'm wishful thinking right here because I don't want it to drag out. But the Democrats are going to pull out every stop they can. So unless Trump wins in massive numbers, we're not going to know the election results. Now, if it's close, then it's going to drag on. The, the networks will not call it if it's close. So that's why you'll see some networks get called with very small uh, numbers in and some networks it takes for at least 70% of the numbers to come in. So the networks are going to drag their feet if that happens, if it's not a blowout for Trump. But if it's a blowout for Trump, they, don't, they won't have a choice. They simply will not have a choice. So we've got all of the, the House seats are up for grabs, all 435. And by the way, New Hampshire right now is uh, one where they do have reported in some early results. 
and they're so early, it's almost insignificant at this point in time, but I'll give it to you anyway. Uh, New Hampshire, second district, U.S. House seats. Uh, the GOP's got 66% of the vote. The Democrats got 33% of the vote, but that only represents 18 votes for the GOP and nine votes for the Democrats. So in the Senate, it's the same thing. New Hampshire starts um, reporting early, and it's almost the same thing. So in the Senate, we've got 35 Dem seats up and 30 GOP seats up. And of course, then we got the presidency. So there's a lot going on. It is election day and it's closer than it's almost over. So, so then we got the Senate and we got the presidency. Obviously, those are the ones to watch. And I'll, there's a link that I'll put in the show notes, uh, politico.com. Uh, you know, they're left-leaning, but they've got a pretty good site where you can watch the results come in. You can see where it is state by state and race by race. Like I say, there's 35 Democrat Senate seats up for grabs, 30 Republican seats up for grabs. In the Senate, who knows where the Senate could go? If it's a blowout for Trump, by the way, boom, the Senate goes Republican. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this story. Two small New Hampshire towns have already cast their traditional first votes in the presidential election. Happens every year. It's been happening for 60 years in one of them. Uh, two tiny New Hampshire communities that vote for president just after the stroke of midnight on election day have cast their ballots, with one of them making 60 years since the tradition began. The results in Dixville Notch near the Canadian border, where a sweep for former Vice President Joe Biden, who won the town's five votes, in Millersfield, 12 miles to the south, President Trump won 16 to Biden's five. And what does this mean? Absolutely nothing. It's just all fun. It's just kabuki theater because neither one of these have ever gone on to uh, predict the winner of the election. Neither one of them. None. By the way, did you see uh, Lady Gaga up in Pennsylvania doing her dance and playing a piano for the Biden voters and all that? Do you know she's uh, she's come out as anti-fracking before? <laughs> she doesn't believe in fracking. You go, Biden. That was a good call on you, man. It was a good call on you. So where are we in the election right now? Well, we've got nearly 100 million early votes. And by the way, for you Democrats, please put in your ballots now for early voting. Republicans, uh, go to the polls. 100 million votes cast early, which is just absolutely uh, unheard of. But it's because of the pandemic. I mean, come on. Who, you know, it's like uh, people are touting it as like some great thing. No, it's not great. And I believe it's going to backfire on the Democrats. I believe it's going to backfire bigly on the Democrats because more Republicans will send out early votes than Democrats and then than have before. I'm sorry, not then Democrats. Democrats will still lead in early votes, mail-in ballots, but more Republicans are mail-in ballots, which I think will tip the popular vote to President Trump. So there we have it. Um, I'm glad it's almost over. It's time, you know, it's been a long election season. Uh, I'm, I'm just, you know, um, uh, just unbelievable to me that uh, the Democrats, Biden and Harris can get this kind of traction. It's kind of sad, really kind of has me in a little bit of a funk today because it's just unbelievable that as Americans that we would give in to the Democrat Party's shenanigans like this and the people like a Biden, 47 years in politics with it looks like a lot of corruption with, with Harris who basically, uh, you know, slept her way to the top and who's pretty much the most leftist senator in the U.S. Senate. And these two are doing this well in the polls. It just kind of, I don't know, 
kind of has me in a funk. So apologize about that. And it's, it, I just hope and pray that the American people see through it. And I'm completely wrong in this being a margins election. And it's just a huge blowout. I'm angry at the media. I think the media has done us a huge disservice. I mean, they lie and obfuscate all the time. And I hope that this election is the election that pummels the media so much that people just stop tuning in. For example, the, the, the only thing the Democrats have to bash President Trump about is the Chinese virus. That's it. And, um, and the media recently has been touting all these cases, the surge in cases. Of course, there's been a surge in testing. They don't tell you that. But the real number they don't tell you is the death rate. The death rate, and I'm looking at a chart. This is from uh, rationalground.com, deaths data and COVID-19, a deadly dose of daily confusion. If you look at the chart, the death rate has dropped uh, dramatically from its high in April to, here's a chart on 10, 24, 20, uh, it was nine or 535 deaths the week before 2000, 3000. These are all numbers prior, 3000, 3000, 3800, 4200, 4600, 5400. It's just the death rate has been dropping exponentially while the, um, the, the um, getting the virus, you know, I'm drawing a blank. I, you know, people catching it. The media has been reporting how high that number has gone up. You know, the infection rate. I'm sorry, that's what I'm going for. While the infection rate's going up, the death rate's going down. The media doesn't tell you that. The media doesn't tell you that the death rate in the United States, based uh, against our population, is point zero zero zero. Did I get one more zero? It should be four zeros six five one. And it just makes me angry that our media is this corrupt, that they are so in the tank for the Democrats that they have been helping Joe Biden to win this election from the get-go. And it's time to cancel the media out. It's time to shut them out. Stop visiting their sites. Stop, stop watching them. Stop giving them the ratings so their ad revenue dries up. Either their ad revenue dries up and they go out of business or they change. I reported that before that uh, about a week ago, CNN reported they missed their projections by $100 million. And there's rumor that uh, Time Warner, who owns them, is rumored that they're going to get rid of that, get rid of some assets, and CNN may be one of the assets. And the Jeff Bezos is potentially interested in buying CNN. But now, with a change that I doubt it, he owns the uh, Washington Post, which is our left wing organization as well. But I'm just, uh, it's just one of those days today where I'm going to go, uh, you know, I'll watch the results today. I have not voted yet, by the way. I'm going to be voting later this afternoon with my family because traditionally we all vote together. Once my son's out of school, we're going to go vote. But uh, I will be voting down the ticket, red. I will be voting for Donald J. Trump, obviously. And uh, I'm just, I mean, it's just one of those days where I'm so disenfranchised with our media, with uh, people that believe the Democrat Party's rhetoric, that, that all the, the lies and the misinformation that they say about this president, you know, I'm ready for a revolution to happen. I'm ready for change. And the change is keeping Trump in office because it will change if he remains in office. And what will change in office, given him, give him a second term, I think the um, chains will be off of Trump. And um, I think that he will be doing some wondrous, marvelous things. Thank you. 
for indulging me on this episode of the PBL podcast. I am done talking about politics today. I will have another segment. You know, I'm going to talk about, I really am going to talk about cars and guitars. If you want to hear about a car, I'm going to talk about a car I have. And the guitars, hey, tune in. I mean, it'll probably be one of the lowest rated segments that I've had in a long time, but that's okay. Um, you know, burn down on politics. I think it's time to move on, wait for the election results. I will be here tomorrow. We'll talk about whatever results are out there. Um, but thanks again for listening to this segment this far of the PBL podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Please do visit our social media sites. Uh, if you're listening to this on um, Apple, iTunes, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. And on our YouTube channel, if you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And if you're not watching this on YouTube, please do go over there and look at it on YouTube. By the way, when I do that guitar segment, you're going to see those guitars on YouTube. Uh, and subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. and help us with the algorithms. Again, thank you for listening to this segment of the PBL Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor.